0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the MLB Extras Cleveland Indians podcast. I'm Anthony Kastrovitz, joined as I am each week. By tribe reporter Mandy Bell. Mandy, I got a bone to pick with you because I saw you tweeted uh something in response to the Indians where they were saying, is it GIF or JIF? You know, the uh the, the social media uh little moving pictures. I say gif. You say gif?
1: Yes, yeah, so and gif is peanut butter.
0: <laughs> well that's that's part of the appeal of saying gif as you think about peanut butter while you're saying it. So what you know, there are no uh no no problems with that.
1: I'm gif, a hundred percent.
0: Team GIF, huh? Okay, well. We'll just have to duke that out the rest of the year. But for now, we did have some movement on the Cleveland Indians front. No, it wasn't a trade involving a starting pitcher. It was a trade acquiring right-hander Nick Whitgren from the Miami Marlins. Uh, Whitgren had a solid showing uh, in relief for the Marlins last year. They had designated him for assignment. He's 27 years old, uh, 2.94 ERA last year in 32 appearances in Miami. Obviously, Mandy, uh, the the bullpen... uh, you know, they're, they're trying to acquire some depth in that bullpen, and he's an interesting piece for them.
1: Yeah, I think he he could be a solid pickup, but definitely a good person to look at throughout spring training. Um, you obviously just said his numbers from last year. Uh, we can't really base anything off of what will happen this year based on last year, but because he was such a reliable arm for the Marlins last year, I, I think it's a it's a nice pickup. And I know it's not one that that makes all the headlines and that well, the one ones that everyone's talking about, but it could be deals like this that end up being a surprise acquisition for the Indians this year if if it ends up paying off so I think he's definitely one to keep an eye on throughout spring training
0: yeah and he has a minor league option remaining and that's that's so key in today's game is to have optionable guys in your bullpen who can go up and down over the course of the year and you know the Indians bullpen it's it's not going to project very well relative to some other behemoths especially that one in, in the Bronx for instance but uh you know they they obviously bring back Brad Hand who they acquired midseason in a trade. Um, it just seems about quantity. They've got a lot of quantity, a lot of interesting options back there. They bring back uh, Oliver Perez who was, uh, you know, such a, uh, a pleasant surprise in, in twenty eighteen. Um, we'll see with the Adam Simber experience uh, Nets in, in twenty nineteen. Now that uh, you know he's got a little more familiarity with the league and with the Indians. Uh, John Edwards is an interesting arm. Uh, you know, who's a guy who's towed around and. In, in systems over the years and, and showed some promise last year. Uh, maybe Dan Otero on, on more of a bounce back here. There's just, there's a lot of dudes back there who, you know, they're not going to overpower people with their options, but I, I do feel like the Indians have the ability to maybe piece some things together, you know, if, if certain guys uh, work out. And I didn't even mention, by the way, Danny Salazar, who is of course a looming bullpen option. Um, and, and, uh, and Cody Anderson, who's coming back from injury. So, there's some X factors, I guess, in the bullpen is what I'm trying to say.
1: Yeah, it, it, there was an, an area of need there at the beginning of the off season. People always like went straight to the bullpen in the outfield for saying that areas that needed to be addressed this winter. And Oliver Perez was a big pickup, uh, bringing him back after the year that he had with the Indians last year, unexpectedly um, coming from the Yankees farm system in, in June, I think it was. Uh, to be able to bring uh, a presence like him back, not even just his numbers from last year, but just having that veteran presence on this young team, I think he will be big for the uh, Indians bullpen. And then, like you said, there's just so many different options. Uh, it's it's not, I don't think, as bad as what everyone's making it out to be. Um, there was a lot, of, a lot of arms who had some down years last year, but just because it was a down year last year doesn't mean that it's going to be another down year this year. Uh, they have returners like like you said Otero they have Neil Ramirez they have a bunch of different arms that they can at least look at this year and and try to piece together a bullpen that could be a little bit better than what they than what they were last year so I don't think that area on the roster is necessarily as bad as what everyone's trying to make it out to be
0: we are in the non-roster invitee portion of the program this winter mandy the Indians had a couple announcements on that front on Thursday. Um, Ryan Flaherty, uh, infielder, and catcher Diner Navarro, uh, both coming to big league camp on minor league contracts. So they will uh, vie for time um, and a spot on the opening day roster. Flaherty is interesting. with in the first six weeks of the season last year, he was on fire. He had like a, over 800 OPS uh, for the Braves. He was actually a big part of the, of the Braves' rise up the standings early in the year. And then, you know, sanity prevailed and, you know, he, he came back down to earth and Ronald Acuna came up and that was that. But, uh, but still, a, a guy who can kind of play uh, multiple spots in the infield, a uh, veteran guy who's been there, done that, and then Navarro. Obviously, they uh, you know catching depth is, is going to be important for this club after the Jan Gomes trade.
1: Yeah, I think Flaherty's a really interesting uh, signing, just because if they if they do like what they see, um, he has a good chance of being a, a really great utility option. Uh, like you said, his his bat started to level out as the season went on. Um, And he might not necessarily be someone that they're looking at because of his bat. It would be more because of the versatility he brings to the field. And he's in his career, he's made double digit like appearances in every infield spot and in left and right field. So to be able to have someone that can give that flexibility to a team where they might need some depth in some different areas, I think he's a really interesting pickup. Um, And then, like you said, Navarro, uh, he's been around for such a long time and then has been away from, from Major League Baseball for a little bit since 2016, so it'll be interesting to see him coming back in uh, to the league.
0: Manny, we got some sad news on Thursday with the passing of MLB legend Frank Robinson. He was 83 years old, and of course, he was Major League Baseball's first African ma- African-American manager with the Cleveland Indians. and One of the great moments in franchise history, April 8th, 1975, opening day, and Frank Robinson, his first game as player manager of the tribe. And he goes deep. And Mandy, I know you just, uh, you're just transitioning to Cleveland. This is one of those things you'll find that, you know, the attendance was 55,000 or so at, at Cleveland Municipal Stadium. And there's 155,000 people at least who claim they were there for that game. But um, obviously he was a giant in the figure in, in the world of Major League Baseball.
1: Yeah, I, I don't have to be on this beat long to, to realize the impact that he had on, on the Cleveland community. I just on Twitter today, just the responses to some of the tweets going out uh, that I've seen, it's just an overwhelming amount of love toward him and his family during this time period. And, uh, and I mean, it, he speaks for himself, everything that he meant to baseball. Um, it's its very, very sad news for the baseball world.
0: RIP Frank Robinson. Uh, in much happier news, Sandy Alomar Jr., he was uh, on the stage at the Greater Cleveland Sports Awards On Wednesday, he received the Lifetime Achievement Award and uh, presented to him by former manager Mike Hargrove. You were there, Mandy. That was a pretty cool moment, I bet.
1: Oh, it was great. Yeah, it's continuing on with Cleveland Legends here. Another person that you can tell how much this community just adores him. It It was really, really cool to see the ovation that he got um, over at the Renaissance Hotel here in uh, downtown Cleveland, it was incredible, and his his entire speech that he gave was really great. You can tell how thankful he is for Cleveland. Um, he got up and he took the mic and he said that uh, Cleveland's the best thing that's ever happened to him, and it, it was just cool for him to go up there and tell his story and remember his time as a player for the Indians. Obviously now still coaching, but uh it was really cool to see and he's he's it was my first meeting with him so he's he just seems like the most down-to-earth guy and uh very very thankful for everything that's happened in his career so it was it was cool to see someone like that get that type of award
0: yeah absolutely we're all we're all proud of santos very happy for him it's very uh very great career here in Cleveland, obviously, as a player. And then I think even to you know, he was on Manny Acta's staff and then they let go of Acta and there was all this hubbub that Alomar would be the guy to replace him as the manager. Uh, but, of course, they had the opportunity to hire Terry Francona. And, uh, you know, that, that's a situation where maybe there'd be some sore feelings and move on. But, you know, Alomar stuck with it and, and stayed on Francona's staff. And obviously they've had great success together. So um, great to see him honored in such a way. So Mandy, uh, your first spring training as the Tribe Beat Reporter looms. You're headed out to Goodyear, Arizona next week, I presume. What are you most looking forward to out there?
1: Oh goodness, there's so much. I don't know if there's one thing that I'm most looking forward to. <laughs> I'm I'm just so excited to see how the whole process works. Uh, I haven't really been to spring training much at all. Uh, a couple years ago, I went down with my roommate in college and we tried to go to Florida and, and go to as many stadiums as we could during that time period. But uh, I've never been to Arizona during spring training. I've never really experienced any of this. So I'm excited to see how it all works. I'm excited to finally meet the team and, and start to get acquainted with everybody. Uh, I think it's it's going to be a fun six weeks down there. And of course, getting to avoid the Cleveland cold. So I'm really okay with that.
0: <laughs> and you can take comfort in knowing you will not be the only uh, new body there in the uh, in the clubhouse in Goodyear, Arizona when you report exactly. to work because there's going to be a lot of new faces in that room, a lot of get-to-know-you uh, period going on there, and you'll be a part of that.
1: Yes, I'm I'm definitely okay with that. As long as I'm not the only one walking in with a little bit of a deer-in-the-headlights look, I'm perfectly fine. <laughs>
0: All right. So let's uh, read a few of your questions uh, from your latest inbox on Indians.com. Dana Moore at CK link one, 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 one asks, uh, should we be concerned that no one traded for Corey Kluber? Is he hurt? One of the best pitchers of the last 10 years and can't trade for quality outfield and prospects concerns me. Mind you, I love Kluber. but I still can't believe it didn't happen. It's been fascinating to watch the progression of thought amongst the fan base. And I understand it. And it went from like, You know, total alarm, uh, the even idea of trading a Corey Kluber to kind of it's kind of like the stages of grief. You know, eventually a lot of people met acceptance, if not advocating for a trade uh, to bring in some young, exciting talent. But obviously, uh, you know, here we are heading to spring training and a deal to not get over the goal line. But what do you think of Dana's question?
1: Uh, Yeah, well, there's absolutely nothing to be concerned about. Uh, If this was a rebuilding time period for the Indians, which they've specified over and over again, this is not a rebuild, then it would be something that they would be trading him away for whatever they could get for him. Um, In this situation, this is just taking calls and trying to hear what other teams are interested in and maybe dishing out for a Corey Kluber or Trevor Bauer, Um, and they're going to want – as much as they can get for that. If you're going to give up an ace style of pitcher like Corey Kluber, you're going to need to get the top prospects, the top, whatever you can get and as the perfect amount of talent level that you're requiring. And that's what the Indians are trying to go for at this point is what it seems like. And so just because that, that hasn't been a match made in heaven yet does not mean that there's anything wrong with Kluber. It doesn't mean that, um, he's hurt in any way, shape, or form. It would just be the Indians know what they have and they know what they could get for him. And if they're not going to get what they want, they're going to keep one of the best rotations in the league intact. And um, so I think that's basically all it's been so far this offseason.
0: Byron Lee Medlock at Medlock Lee asks, uh, what are the odds of snagging Moose, that would be Mike Moustakis, for third base?
1: Yeah, that I just is not going to happen at this point. Um, the Indians, again, have been clear with, with where they want to stand financially. And, uh, they seem to be in an area where they, they want to be, they're expected to be around 120 ish million, um, opening day. And and I don't see it going too much higher than that. Um, to be able to get someone like Mike Stockis, that's, and it's going to be a little bit too pricey. So someone like a Ryan Flaherty, who they picked up today might be a better option if they were thinking of having someone maybe sneak in at third base, but, uh. I don't see Mike Moustakas being an Indian in
0: 2019. And uh, bacchus 35 asks, uh, "Does Eric House have a legitimate shot at catcher after the Kevin Plawecki acquisition?"
1: Yeah, they. Uh, Antonetti, uh, Chris Antonetti, the Indians' president of baseball operations, he touched on this a little bit after they announced the uh, Plawecki acquisition from the Mets. Everyone, the position's up for grabs. Everyone has a shot um, going into spring training. They have Roberto Perez, they have uh, Eric Haas, and then they have Kevin Pilecki. It's all up for grabs, but what it looks like it's going to shake out to be is Perez um, and Pilecki. Getting that time, I don't think it's going to i don't think they said it was necessarily a platoon situation um but it's going to be where they split the majority of the time. Who gets the majority? That's up for grabs. I would think that it's going to be Perez just because they know what they're getting out of him. They've seen him the past few years he's been able um to work underneath young gomes, but again everything is is still un, un, uh, undetermined at this point, but Haas uh will most likely not be making the major league roster after picking up pluckcky.
0: All right. Baseball will be back in a GIF or maybe in a GIF. And Mandy Bell will be covering the Cleveland Indians for MLB.com. She'll be all over all the Indians news and notes from spring training in Goodyear, Arizona. So be sure to give her a follow. And uh, Mandy, thanks for doing this. We'll continue to check in with you throughout the spring.
1: Yeah, and hopefully I can get you onto the GIF board by the end of this.
0: <laughs> not happening. We'll try.
1: Okay. <laughs>